Let's pause in a moment of prayer before we turn now to our text for this morning, Galatians 3, verses 26 to 29. Let's pray. Father, you are our teacher. May we be students eager to learn. May your word come alive by your spirit and be a seed in our heart that produces a rich harvest of good fruit to your glory. Speak, Lord, and make us obedient as we listen to you. Through Jesus Christ, the living word, we ask these things. Amen. For years, the Jeremy Kyle show has created their most dramatic moments when they have revealed the results of paternity tests. Anger or joy, fear or frustration, triumph or defeat exploded as the reality of fatherhood was made known. An uncertainty regarding identity steals contentment in life. It often propels people into harmful pursuits that they believe will help them establish their own self-image or will give them some sense of self-affirmation. While sadly it is not always possible in this world, it is better by far to have the security of knowing your father and being convinced of his love and to experience the regular expression of his goodness and care in your life. Comedian Don French said, It was my father who taught me to value myself. He told me that I was uncommonly beautiful and that I was the most precious thing in his life. When Jesus wanted us to understand the nature of the heart of God, he repeatedly directed us to think about a father's love. Again, we made a reference to this at the start of the service. The words from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, where in verses 9 to 11, Jesus said this. Which one of you, if your son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? If it is good for us to know our earthly, our earthly Father's love, well, Jesus wants to know that our heavenly Father's love toward us is infinitely greater. Jesus' own ministry was launched with a dramatic confirmation of his Father's love and favour. We read in Matthew 3, verses 16 and 17. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Jesus engaged in ministry, lived his life secure in his father's love and favour. A rich blessing that all the more heightens the horror of the cross and the experience of his being forsaken as the father turned his face away. Earlier in this third chapter of Galatians, Paul had referred to believers as children of Abraham. 
But now we see in the verses that Joy has read for us a giant step forward as he declares that those who are, by saving faith, members of the church of Jesus Christ, they are, in fact, sons of God. He makes it clear that those who profess faith in Jesus have a new identity. Galatians 3 verse 26 says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. Now the ladies might ask for more inclusive language, but that's simply not appropriate as hopefully we will see in a few moments. And if men have to be called part of the bride of Christ, women should see themselves honoured to be known here as sons of God. We're not sons by birth, but by rebirth. And just as we had no say in our physical birth, we realize that our spiritual birth, our being born again, is all a gift of God through grace. And Paul keeps on using this little phrase throughout all his writings. He speaks of being in Christ or into Christ highlighting the absorption of God's child into the person of Jesus. And thus we understand that the journey through faith leads us not only into the family of God as his sons, but also into the favour of God as his beloved sons and daughters. Immersed in Jesus, we are those with whom the Father is well pleased. This is the Christian's new identity. The Puritan Thomas Goodwin illustrated it like this. He wrote, Picture a man walking along the road with his little boy, holding hands, father and son, son and father. The boy knows the man is his father and that his father loves him. But all of a sudden, the man sweeps the boy up into his arms, embraces him and kisses him. Now the boy is actually no more a son when he's being embraced and kissed than he was before. The father's action has not changed his status of the son. But oh, the difference in the enjoyment of the status. This is our new identity, part of the family of God and living under the father's favour. In his classic book, Knowing God, the Anglican theologian Jim Packer writes, If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes the thought of being God's child, of having God as his father. Father is the Christian name for God. Our understanding of Christianity cannot be better than our grasp of adoption. While we have to face these difficult days separated from those we love, we know that Jesus did not come into the world to save people in isolation. Rather, he came to gather the church to himself. As John Wesley said, the Bible knows nothing of solitary religion. And so here we find also a new community, verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. The church, 
is a community of the desperately needy, those utterly reliant upon another to save them. And it is this common bond of helplessness that throws us upon the free grace of Jesus Christ and unites us and in doing so sweeps aside all racial and social barriers. In the family of God, this new community of faith, this, this finds that the divisive powers of the old dividing walls are swept aside. The barriers that so readily partition our world, creating distance and at times animosity, have the very opposite impact in the life of the church. The community of faith becomes a place where, where diversity is honoured. As in unity of purpose, we display the richness of the variety of God's creation under the unifying power of His Holy Spirit. God creates such community supernaturally. And even with the very best of intentions, we must recognise that we are powerless to do this. We must acknowledge it is His work alone. And yet, it's our calling, our task, our responsibility to nurture what God has created. Confident and secure in our standing before God and Christ, we rejoice with all who are recipients of His saving grace. And yes, it's okay to take pride in your race or your rank or your gender. These are true things about us and becoming a Christian doesn't remove them from us. But they're not the most true thing about us. Our greatest mark of identity is as sons of God. We are part of a new community. In school playgrounds across the country, when children went to school, Especially among little boys, there was often a, a competition, a bragging about their fathers. My daddy can do this, well my daddy can do that. But, but all that one-upmanship is swept away in the new community of the Church of Jesus Christ where we share one father. We have a new identity in a new community which opens up to us a new legacy. Paul concludes the chapter with these words. He says, if you're Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs, according to the promise. Now, being a son of God is not so much to do with gender as with status. In the culture of that day, when Paul was writing, it was only the sons who received an inheritance. That's why sonship is such an important concept in this passage. Paul is saying that in Christ Jesus, both men and women are invited to become sons of God, thus enabled to share in this great legacy. Apologies, I do use this illustration all the time, but I haven't found a, a more helpful one yet, so I use it again. To imagine yourself in that position where you're in severe financial difficulty. You have written multiple rubber checks that are bouncing all over the country. And to compound your problem, the bank has hit you with a raft of charges for having this unauthorised overdraft. In despair, you decide to face the music and you go into the bank. And to your amazement, when you approach the bank teller, they say, listen, we're going to cancel all your debts. We're going to remove all these charges from you. 
and you leave the bank and you feel so thrilled to have been so fortunate. And that's how many Christians believe that Jesus works in their lives. He comes to cancel their old debt of sin. But the problem with this picture is that you leave the bank forgiven, but still penniless. Thus, if you want to have money, you have to work hard for it. And in the same way, it's often mistakenly believed that the Christian is forgiven, but meritless. And therefore, the only hope to have credit in your righteousness account is to work hard for it through religious activity and earn that merit before God. But the new identity that makes you a part of a new community, this leads to a new legacy. Returning to our illustration back at the bank, it's not just that your debt is cancelled. Praise God it is wiped clean at the cross. But you have to imagine in this picture that the bank owner, the manager, the the person in charge of the whole thing wants to adopt you as his son, his daughter, and thus as his heir. And immediately as part of his adoption process, he credits into your account a significant share of his immeasurable fortune. And he affirms that one day it will all be yours. As children of a father who keeps his promises perfectly, We know that forgiveness of sins. We know that life that lasts forever. We know that there's an unbroken fellowship in a place where sin, sickness and sorrow are fully and finally passed. And these things and many more are your guaranteed possession. God the Father favours you and blesses and enriches your life abundantly. Jesus told a famous story of a wayward son who returned to his father, content to renew that relationship merely as employee to employer, or perhaps more accurately, a slave to master. But the father ignores his plea and says to his servants, let's make sure this boy understands just how much he means to me. Kill the fattened calf. Fetch the best robe. Let's get this party started. He celebrates. He elevates his son once again to that honoured place at the heart of the family. A new identity, a new community and a new legacy. This is the experience of the child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And here is the challenge. This is the application. You've got to ask yourself, is that my experience? Do I live as a slave before God, wearily working, trying to earn his approval? Or or do I live as a son and heir, assured of my father's limitless love and his unending favour on my life because of Christ? In John's Gospel in chapter 8 and verse 44, Jesus revealed the very disturbing results of a paternity test. He was surrounded by a crowd of pious Jews who believed they were righteous because Abraham was their spiritual father. But he enlightened them saying, You are of your father the devil and your will is to do your father's desire. They didn't know this, 
and they didn't believe it and they were offended to hear it. But since Jesus said it, it remained the truth. The truth for the crowd in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago and the tragic truth for so many people in the world today. But it doesn't have to be so. Jesus could say to his fretting disciples as he told them he would leave them. He said in the familiar words of John 14, In my Father's house there is plenty of room. Come by faith into the family. Come trusting in Jesus. Receive this new identity. Be part of this new community. Be secure in your new legacy. Live in the love and favour of your heavenly Father. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you teach us wonderful truths in your word. That because of Jesus, because of his amazing grace and his boundless love, those who believe in him become part of your family. They are absorbed into Christ and having put on Christ, receive your favour upon their lives. Lord, it's difficult to get our heads around this. But we don't have to ultimately fully understand it. We simply have to receive it and rejoice in it. So help us to grasp your goodness to us. Your abounding love to us in Jesus. And may we know that we live under your favour. We've already been richly blessed. And ultimately we will receive an unending inheritance. So Lord let us trust in you. And walk with you. And delight to serve you day by day out of the joy that you have poured into our hearts. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.